0: Warning! This episode contains foul language and visual elements that you can find on our social media.
1: Listening to Keep It Weird, the podcast for all things strange, unusual, paranormal, supernatural, creepy, sticky, gross, scary, and everything in between. Each week, we sit down with a guest and we talk about something weird. This week, we are diving into the deep blue sea, and it is my nightmare coming true. <laughs> We're going to explore the darkest depths of the sea and discuss sea creatures, both real and myth, while we throw in plenty of watery fun facts, stories, movie references, etc. So take a deep breath. We're going for a terrifying swim. Oh my God. My name is Lauren, and this is my co host,
0: Ashley. Hi, weirdos. You always have the best openings. I need to be more creative. <laughs> I do. I'm enjoy always like we're keeping weird. We talk about weird stuff today. We're talking about this. Get used to it.
1: <laughs> I do have a lot of fun when I write the <laughs> openings. I will not lie; it's a good time. Joining us today is our brilliant friend and returning guest, yeah. yeah, with all the marine life knowledge for us. It's Melanie. Melanie.
2: Ahoy, weirdo! Ahoy.
1: ahoy. That was good. Oh my I gosh. I can't say, I thought about that for like two weeks. <laughs> it's like, I'm going to say this, and I'm gonna then, say then I'm going to say Ahoy, ahoy. <laughs> ahoy weirdo! Here's the thing. Can
0: this whole episode just be sea puns? <laughs> Yeah, it will It, it will be. devolve Like instead of cursing We'll just be like Yar! Yar! <laughs> a lot of pirate
1: talk Yes, <laughs> it's gonna just turn into pirates It's not really sea <laughs> puns It's just pirates Walk the
0: plank Walk Like if the anyone says plank. something we don't like Walk the plank <laughs> uh, Melanie, Welcome weirdos Welcome why, Melanie but Welcome again Hello so here's the thing. When I talk about the episode that you were on uh, with us last time, I never know how to talk about it because <laughs> the title of that episode is essentially Keep It Weird, but in Armenian. Yes. And
2: the yep. alphabet being its own animal unto itself. Yeah, exactly. So.
0: so when I'm like, yeah, Melanie, from that like, oh, episode <laughs> we did where we talked about Armenia and Ireland and Italy. Yeah, it's like there's no. It's the never foot, just. It's like, the
2: foot vampires episode.
0: Oh yeah. Oh, that's right. That's foot vampires. A good way to describe that's it. That's how yeah. it all
1: started. <laughs> you can just say Armenian foot vampires.
0: Yeah. <laughs> that's the episode Melanie that from wrote. Armenian foot vampires. <laughs> yes. Yes. Exactly. That's.
2: I'm gonna change my last name to that. <laughs> it's still
0: shorter than my actual last name. <laughs> it's still shorter than Vertebedian <laughs> Minsky. <laughs> yeah. Your last
1: name is crazy. It's like in the coolest way. I love it. It's
2: interesting. I think phonetically, it's pretty okay compared to a lot of other Armenian last names that have KHs and GHs, which is just coming from your throat and your lungs. And most people can't hack. You know, the cats can make it happen. But yeah, so phonetically, it's pretty straightforward, but pronunciations and things are interesting because we roll our R's and we well, whatever, you know, so yeah, I usually when I introduce myself, as I said, I just use my first name and then I even shorten that I was like, ah, oh, it's too long too, we'll just, Mel is fine Mel's fine, We're pretty gonna soon it's just gonna be him Foot Vampire Mel <laughs>
0: Foot Vampire Mel, <laughs> <laughs> that's how she's known around the town <laughs> <laughs> And why are you our guest on this particular episode? Um, So I actually studied marine biology in college mm-hmm. apparently,
2: I think somewhere on the fourth grade I did a book report and I, I did it about whales and all of a sudden that was my jam <laughs> and I think I decided at that point that you know at the time I was a kiddo and I loved SeaWorld I absolutely loved it I loved going down there I wanted to work there I thought for sure and obviously we know that's not really <laughs> yeah. that's not a it's good not thing really anymore some not really sea friendly some things but um that was sort of always my passion so, um, I went to school. I have a degree in marine biology. I worked at an aquarium for about 13 years wow. Um, teaching kids and then just talking to visitors about the ocean. Uh, it was nice because the aquarium that I worked at was very local. It's in Southern California. It's um down in San Pedro and it's actually free for visitors. We run on donation. But what was nice about that is... It was very sort of friendly to the neighborhood. So kids mm. who live within 10 miles of the water who have never seen the ocean, that was their jumping off point, huh? pun number one. <laughs> <laughs> and so that was a really fun experience in the summers. We would go kayaking or snorkeling with kids. We would take them to the tide pools, dig in the sand for sand crabs and give them the experience of this is really the ocean and yeah. and for me a a big thing of just science education in general is you'll care about it if you can relate to it yeah yeah so anything as you know grandiose as climate change all the way down to why shouldn't I throw trash on this on the floor or on the ground all of that stuff just comes with well I've seen the animals I've seen the environment now I can give a shit basically so that's just kind of what drives me anyway so um that's sort of what I want to do in my day-to-day life is just teaching kids about not necessarily just the ocean, but nature in general. Um, yeah, because now you work at the Botanical garden. Yeah, now I work yeah. at a Botanical Garden and <laughs> Yay, I just, nature. you know, yeah, exactly. And so any setting like that for me, like a museum, somewhere that's outside of a classroom. So you're kind of introducing the natural world to kids, but it's not you have to learn this for a test. It's just, hey, come inside check out these super cool dinosaur bones. If you accidentally learn something, my job is done. Yeah. <laughs> right. That's kind of how I approach it. Yeah. I don't want kids to come and be like, oh, it's more this stupid. So this feels I like don't a care. classroom. Because yeah. I've been there too. Like you would yeah. go on a field trip and you you didn't do anything. You looked at dioramas behind mm-hmm. glass. Right. And now a lot of these institutions are so much better about making things interactive and mm-hmm. again, making like personal connections. So that's,
1: that's my jam. I do love that. In this day and age, museums are just getting cooler and cooler. Yeah, totally are. They make everything into a show. They make things that you can touch and see up close. Like, it is so different from when we were kids, and it's so much more fun. Yeah,
2: and museums are also, like, great places for adults to hang out at. Like, you can now hear a live band and grab a beer – yeah, you couldn't do that 15 years ago. That I was going to say the Natural is,
1: History Museum
2: is. They always amazing. have parties. They it's always so have fun. parties. You can get married there, yep. and you can just kind of feel like it's a place that you would choose to go to. For funsies, but.
0: as opposed to like we're going to the museum, whether you like it or not. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Like, get so, in the car. I got married
1: Which in a museum. You in the did museum, at a nature museum. talked about you your know, butterfly incident.
0: Um, um, yes. We don't need to bring that up <laughs> today. <laughs> <laughs> You're like we're here I to scare Lauren. PTSD. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: this is my day to I be horrified. I have butterfly
0: PTSD. <laughs> I was gonna say I think a lot of people would roll their eyes at a lot of kind of museum snobs would roll their eyes at like what museum are becoming but you have to understand that like especially generations like our generation we're still okay but like the generation after us who were raised like literally raised on iPhones and Mm -hmm. raised with Netflix and raised with like so much entertainment at all times. They need more stimulation. Always entertained. Always stimulated. Yeah, That you just have to you have to change your tactics. You can't just have a room full of pictures yeah. with yeah, a wall of text under them. Something just
1: has say to say the text be that you have to interact with. Yeah. It Something has, to, has be interactive. to. Or else, yeah, those institutions will disappear in the yeah. next yeah. generation. Mm-hmm. Now there's a guy in a dinosaur outfit that runs around the natural history Museum. It's a great. He's thing. super fun too. It. It's it. So great. And oh, it's got feathers. It's this dead. has right, I love
0: nothing it. to do with the sea. And I am so sorry, but I did see it today and I posted it on our Facebook page. Did you see the Denver airport now has did. a talking. <laughs> (laughs) Gargoyle, gargoyle. I was dying. I told Joe, I was like, "This is a false flag operation," because this gargoyle, like (laughs) as you walk up to it, will like talk and interact with you. And the first thing it says is, "Welcome to the Illuminati headquarters." I mean, the Denver International oh I love that they've embraced it. I think I think do that's too, amazing. but I think that it's a false in. flag operation. I think they're just trying to throw us throw off, off the, the scent, scent of the fact sure. that that is the Illuminati headquarters. <laughs> they're <laughs> like, now we can openly
1: admit it, but people will think we're joking. People will
0: think <laughs> we're joking. This, this is our representative, Ted the Gargoyle. Exactly.
2: <laughs> to this day, that was one way. I think I texted Ashley after I was listening to that episode while walking down, like just walking in the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And I was laughing so hard. I'm like, someone's going to. I'm in. Someone's going to call the cops. Because all these conspiracy things you guys were discussing. And when you got to the Denver airport, and I just, I just, I saw. The smoke coming out of Joe's ear as his brain. Joe was having a full Exploded. panic Exploded. It was amazing. His, his face what? at
1: one point went ghost white, and he didn't even <laughs> speak. Like he didn't even have a response. He, he was, was just like, like too that, mad. That,
0: that's not <laughs> real. He was very that upset that about can't it. Can't be real.
1: How did I not know this airport I had these things? He like
0: <laughs> eventually was like, yeah, and they have murals about Nazis, and he was like, okay, I, you know what? He like threw his stuff down. He's like, I'm done. I'm
1: stuff just in the open. It's like, yep, that's yep, Denver.
0: Well, Welcome to Jennifer. Fantastic. Ooh, one other thing I have to say before this episode comes out is that this episode that we are recording right now comes out on my birthday. (gasps)
1: Oh! Oh! It. That's actually. Oh, that's thin. true. And it yeah. yeah. Oh my yeah. goodness. So we can say happy birthday, Ashley. We you. Happy birthday, Ashley. Uh, it's a uh, beautiful uh, Friday, March twenty second. March twenty second. <laughs> <laughs> it's
0: probably a beautiful Friday. Yes. Picture but- <laughs> Sicily. You know. <laughs> yeah. Picture it. Los Angeles. Yay. Uh, oh, that's so great. And listeners, all I want for my birthday is a present sent to my address and also of your choosing and also an iTunes review. Yeah. Wow. So head over good. to iTunes and leave us a whatever star you want. I'm not going to be say, picky. I say of the five star variety. Uh, five star would be love, nice. i five, five star I'm,
1: reviews, but I mean, be yourself. Yeah, be yourself.
0: Live your life and give me whatever review you think that I deserve on my birthday. Oh gosh. Guilt, <laughs> hint, hint, win, Intent. Intent. Um, that's all I want. Okay, so today <laughs> we're talking about the deeps See, sorry, Lauren, and oh yeah, my dream
2: was just to terrify a pregnant woman. Yes, that's, that's yeah. what I live for. And yeah. I was I'm like, like we have to do it before the baby's born
0: because <laughs> I feel like it's funnier when she's crying and pregnant. I truly
1: hate the ocean i appreciated though that someone when you were advertising for this episodes a listener commented and was like are you trying to kill lauren <laughs> that so and i was funny. like i don't even know who this person is <laughs> but thank you amazing. for knowing me
0: Heart. And i know soul. actually a I couple people seen. did someone else was like what did lauren do i was like she's been bad <laughs> i felt very seen and hurt why do you guys hate lauren i <laughs> felt very seen and hurt today like lauren said we're gonna be going over like real creatures in the ocean mythological creatures that are probably in the ocean, let's be honest. They definitely could be. <laughs> and some deep sea facts, some like crazy weird stuff found in the deep sea. We're kind of going to be covering all of it. Um and I have a couple things. Uh one of the most fascinating things about the deep sea is the fact that we literally don't know jack shit about it. We yeah. do we're learning a lot more, but like still to this day 95% of the ocean remains unexplored it's so because insane. it's so vast and we just can't get to it yeah and right. hard to to
1: it's it. hard to get to it it's hard
0: to get to it it's possible now but they're
1: making the technology for it right oh, yeah. so that way we'll be able to thank That's you james good.
0: cameron james cameron right. yeah for i know which is crazy. after titanic he got deep sea crazy and yeah. he was like the first person i think someone else has been deeper than him now and oh, yeah. i don't remember Probably. who who they are uh-huh. but he I at the time that. Was the person that went the deepest yeah. in the ocean in history, which is nuts, mm-hmm. and then he became a hack director. Um, so <laughs> hot takes with Ashley. Sorry, swap the made deck. Swap the deck. We, love it. we <laughs> walk actually the plank. walk the plane. <laughs> James Cameron. We, we must walk the know more about the surface of Mars than we do the floor of the deep ocean, which is nuts o butso. Life? It's not possible. (laughs) Nope. And it's getting pretty urgent that we actually push deep sea exploration, and there are several reasons why. One, and this is something I just learned, the deep sea is literally the engine that controls our overall climate. The deep bottom of the ocean is what controls the climate on Earth. Uh, But we don't exactly understand how that engine works yet. And in light of climate change and the rapid melting of the ice at the poles, etc., it's increasing the flow of cold water into the deep sea. And we need to be able to monitor deep sea changes so we can better predict future crises right. or crises, if you will, such as rising sea level or extreme weather and extreme temperatures. And literally by studying the deep sea, we could be able to predict bad shit that's gonna happen yeah. right and possibly prevent it and possibly exactly. prevent and
1: possibly it. prevent it but even just to know to have more knowledge and be like yeah. okay this is the timeline we're actually looking at yeah here. exactly and all of you non-believers
0: <laughs> get better stop it. buying into better it better start buying into it better start because <laughs> you're gonna die. buying some parkas <laughs> another thing seafood may actually not be an available form of food for future generations is this true? That's such a bummer. Which sucks. I love it. I love sushi. Um I've been and missing I shouldn't it. eat it because <laughs> you must be, yeah. <laughs> missing
1: it. I get to have it in a couple weeks. Oh, that's true. Is that
0: the first thing you're gonna eat? What's the first thing you're sorry, this is not deep sea related. No, What's the first thing you're gonna eat once the baby's out?
1: It's funny because I literally want sushi and a glass of bourbon.
0: <laughs> oh, I love it. I'm <laughs> I've down. Been,
2: I've been avoiding I'll be there. like hard liquor. That sounds liquor. like a nice yeah. date night. Let's do yeah. it. Guys. Yeah, and it's day. so
1: funny because we did our hospital tour of the maternity ward, and they said you can order food to the room after the baby's born. They have like very open policies about food coming oh, that's in. Great. That's and wonderful. they were like, "There's a sushi place down the street. That's usually the first request of a mom." And I looked I at Alex and that. was like, "You're ordering me sushi." <laughs> two hours after this that baby is, This is
2: that episode of i love lucy where she's craving like sardines and pistachio ice cream <laughs> right. and stuff and yeah. you're like this is pretty normal just go yeah. get me regular sushi yeah it's just, just funny me- yeah
1: because i've only i had sushi once during my pregnancy and it was just a california roll because that's like the only thing you can get so i'm like give me my spicy tuna and if you can sneak some bourbon in that'd be great <laughs> be, that would be great anyway
0: that would be ideal So seafood might not be an available form of food for future generations, and already fisheries are beginning to explore the deep sea since species closer to the surface are depleting. But we know so little about the biology of the creatures in the deep sea, so they could potentially, probably not, but potentially be dangerous to eat. And we also don't know the repercussions of depleting the deep sea's population because the deep sea is so important to... Pretty much the earth in general. Yeah. Also, the ocean floor is littered with hydrothermal vents, and around these vents, there are valuable mineral deposits, including even silver and gold. There's mm-hmm. so much gold in the ocean, it's insane. There are billions of tons of nodules that are rich in cobalt, nickel, and manganese, and various parties are chomping at the bit to begin mining on the ocean floor. But what we have to study what effects mining is going to have on fragile deep sea habitats and we won't know until we get down there and explore areas that have already been mined right
1: right yeah it's so risky
0: Um, a couple years ago this is horrible but this is another reason a couple years ago it was suggested that we take our 70,000 tons of radioactive waste and store it in stainless steel cylinders buried in the deep sea in holes drilled half a mile deep in the mud in stable areas of the ocean. Stable areas meaning like nowhere near volcanoes. Yeah. The thing is nowhere near the plates. Yeah, exactly. Or the plates. Um, But we've recently learned that there is microscopic life deep that deep in this mud. Half a fucking mile deep into the ocean floor, there is microscopic life. So is this still a good idea to put all this radioactive waste in this mud? For
2: no other reason, it could get back to people. It could get back to people. So much of the ocean is connected to our survival. right
0: Like what will happen if there is, you know, if there is a major leak? Mm -hmm. I can tell you what will happen. Uh, Godzilla. Because I've seen a movie. Like, just watch any movie. Just, just just, anything just that comes in contact with, with radioactive material is
1: going to turn into a monster it's and take over New York City. Yeah. So, congratulations. <laughs> but only New York City. Only <laughs> New York City. It's always New York City. It's
0: Always New York. <laughs> and then also the you know deep sea mining is becoming more popular. There are almost four thousand offshore oil wells in the Gulf of Mexico alone. In 2010, there was a gigantic oil spill known as the Deepwater Horizon Accident, and it's also known as the worst environmental disaster in U.S. history.
1: Yeah, So far.
0: 4.9 million barrels of crude oil ended up spilling into the ocean after the rig exploded. Eight national parks were threatened, along with more than 400 species that lived in the Gulf Islands and the marshlands. It's been a decade, a decade later, and the area still hasn't come close to recovering. So when are we going to have another one of those? Right, right. And what's the extent of future damage and what's the recovery time of these damages? So far, that's completely incalculable because we We haven't recovered from the last ones. Mm. And the problem is, is that if we have destroyed so much of the Earth's dry surface, eventually we might have to use the untouched deep sea as a vital source of food and minerals. And if we destroy it... Then Before what do we, we absolutely need it, <laughs> we got nothing. We we're trash. Uh, basically, humans are trash. And humans that's the, are trash. We're destroying <laughs> anytime, everything. We have. anytime we have a nature episode, it's like um, actually, all right, guys, wrap up the podcast. Wrap it we're up. done here. It's we're over. done <laughs> here because humans are garbage, yep. and that's the message that I'm putting out in the world. Yep. <laughs> so the deep sea is super fucking important to us in our everyday lives, and you wouldn't know it because you haven't been there, and neither have a lot of people. But <laughs> no, a lot most, of people, people most people haven't. Most people have yeah. not been
1: there. <laughs> so so unexplored i do
2: feel like it's one of those where like more astronauts have been sent into space than researchers have been down that deep yeah it's just
1: that's so weird. it's so much harder so to apparently to get
2: to there than it is up in up in the sky
1: yeah we're just shooting people up into the stars but we can't get to the bottom of the ocean it's yeah, just a crazy it's, it's thing. amazing it costs about the same yeah. yeah yeah it really does um
0: to get Someone into that deep of the ocean. I actually have a story if you guys don't mind. Go for it. I do mind. Be- well, <laughs> Mel mine. Sorry, listeners. Mel, mine, so Mel shut put it down. her foot down, swab the deck.
1: <laughs> to the poop deck with you.
0: Oh, no. <laughs> I wanted to look into deep sea mining. When I read all of that stuff about like the, the problems with deep sea mining and everything, and I found a really fascinating story about how we actually got deep sea mining today. So in 1968, Soviet submarine K 129 sank about 150, oh wait, 150, 1500 miles from Hawaii carrying ballistic nuclear missiles. The Russians deployed a massive search, but an American network of underwater listening posts ended up discovering the wreckage first. It was three miles down, which was deeper than any salvage operation that had ever been attempted before that. But it also contained Moscow's nuclear missiles, their top secret code books, like the access to their naval communications. This was a Cold War, like... They really wanted it. Shit was real. So the CIA hatched a plan to retrieve the submarine and the plan was called Project Azorian, but it had to be done without the Russians knowing about it. Right. So they had to create a smokescreen. They decided to pretend to be exploring the possibility of deep sea mining, which at to that, at that point was just theoretical. Like mm-hmm. they had never done it before. A PR campaign conveyed an effort to find these manganese nodules, which were big rocks scattered on the deep sea floor near those hydrothermal vents that I talked about earlier. But there had to be a front man, someone rich and eccentric enough for this to be plausible. Mm-hmm. So they got Howard Hughes oh my <laughs> amazing. to design the ship. Of course. And the ship was actually called the Hughes Glomar Explorer. Oh. And he agreed, obviously. No goose. Yeah, he's <laughs> batshit. So of course he agreed. And um but but, but, but they built the vessel. And it was fitted with everything needed to dig up the seabed. Of course, it also had enormous doors in the hull that could swing apart to create a moon pool, which is an underwater opening large enough to accommodate the Soviet sub and keep it hidden in case anyone checked their ship for a missing Soviet sub, for example. Tucked away inside the ship was a capture vehicle, which had a giant set of claws to straddle the sub and secure it and pull it up into the vessel. So this all took six years. Six years.
1: Goodness. I mean, they had to
0: they had to invent shit. Yeah, you know? I know. I mean, it makes <laughs> yeah. sense.
1: It's just like, damn. I know. They had to <laughs> literally
0: invent things and build the vessel, build them. Um, and, like, how did the execute?
2: Soviets not get there first? After they didn't six know where
0: their years. ship was, That's their amazing. shipwreck was. So they, I mean, they kind of knew like whereabouts, Where-ish, but the the we kind of knew exactly blind. where yeah. it That's was. That's amazing. So the CIA spent $500 million on this, which is approximately what it would have cost to send a man to the moon at that time. Oh man. And, um, their cover with Howard Hughes and the deep sea mining was so good that it prompted U.S. universities to begin offering courses on deep sea mining, and also whipped up the share prices of all the companies involved. Wow! Oh, man. And That's basically, people thought if Howard Hughes is into it, we need to be into it too. We got to sure, do it. Sure. So the mission ended up being not successful at all. Mm-hmm. Um, it didn't work. Basically. <laughs> what? The project needed super calm weather to pull it off, Uh, but just when they were about to begin the actual retrieval Mm -hmm. in 1974, Nixon was visiting Moscow for a peacemaking summit, and being caught stealing a Soviet sub would have been a fucking disaster while he was there. Wouldn't have been great. So Nixon insisted that the operation not begin until he left Russia, so it pushed them back into pretty turbulent weather, and due to that, uh, the giant steel claws, when they finally seized the sub, a part of the claw snapped off due Mm -hmm. to strain, and only the front of the sub made it up. The bodies of six Soviet submariners were recovered and given a formal burial at sea, 98 men died on that ship. 92 wow. of them are still down there. And the secret codes and missiles were never found. But because they were actu- actually able to bring back samples and prove that it could be done, today we have deep sea mining. Oh, that's yeah. So that's fucking wild. It that is. is wild.
2: That's amazing. So I mean, I'm glad that that was born. basically, if we want
0: though. to invent something, we have to do it in the name of war. <laughs> yep.
2: Sounds about, I mean, that's how we get business that's done, right? That's how things right? work, yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> well, that's <laughs> what what where all nowadays. the money is. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly it's, right. It's sort of like, though. yeah, it's sort of like trying to invent some sort of technology used for war and then realizing, like, it's like inventing the Jeep. It's like, yeah, oh, it's we actually have something here. Times, too, yeah, right? yeah, this is good <laughs> Outside this of can, war, this let's can take use your children this. around. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's pass it on to Mel. Okay, tell us some boring science stuff. Yeah, so <laughs> I was I was just gonna
2: say like before I get into the the funner funner things, if you will, quote you know air quotes for for Lauren. Um, so I'm gonna do I'm gonna try to do a quick background on how the ocean is divided up. Um, So you can really think about it's light, it's pressure, it's the availability of food and oxygen, and that's kind of what determines what can survive at those crazy depths. Um, So light can only really penetrate the ocean about the first eh, 200 meters, and that's not very far at all. And that's where most of, you know, big pieces of algae, like the kelp that we see, and also where phytoplankton can survive, and phytoplankton is microscopic algae that, operates just like plants on land you know they take in carbon dioxide and nutrients and sun and they produce oxygen essentially um it's the base of the ocean food chain as you might imagine just like again plants on land and phytoplankton produces about 30 percent of the earth's available oxygen oh wow so again just on the surface without the ocean we wouldn't be here basically right. so the most of the larger algae can only really grow near the coast because it needs nutrients to grow and a lot of runoff provides a lot of those nutrients so yeah too much like too much fertilizer is bad but the normal amount that would naturally run off into the ocean is what essentially causes large pieces of algae to be able to grow which in turn provides habitats for very many coastline Organisms think of a forest on land versus a forest in the ocean mm-hmm. made of seaweed instead of trees. Okay. Um, that so that's sense. kind of where we're talking in terms of where most of our oxygen comes from. So that zone, sort of the surface, is called the photic zone where light can reach. Okay. And then from about 200 to about 1,000 meters is what they call the twilight zone of the ocean. Ooh. Ooh. Right. That's the spooky, spooky zone. So light is limited. Um, there's some light And about 20% of organic matter that normally lives near the surface finds its way there. So stuff dies, it starts to kind of fall, and a lot of those organisms in there have these funky adaptations that allow them to survive there. Most of that stuff is what um, scientists call nectin, so not plankton. Plankton just floats around and it goes wherever the current takes it. So think jellies. Tiny organisms like plankton, they just go where the water takes them. They don't have muscles or they're not large they're enough to the con- flow. control mm-hmm. their...
0: What kind of plankton work in, like, burger restaurants? Yes. And so to have
1: evil plants. That mm-hmm. probably,
0: in all honesty, is, more, is most closely...
2: It's like some kind of crustacean. Mm. So possibly, like, krill, which is what a lot of whales would eat. Yes. So... Um, the name of the gentleman may he rest in peace i cannot remember the creator's name of spongebob who recently passed away he he actually also had a degree in marine biology so it was really interesting so when you watch yeah he did and so when when you watch spongebob there's actually like again science accidentally just leaks through into kids because yes sponges don't live in a pineapple at the bottom of the sea but there's some actual science kind of warped into it so it was really interesting and that's where he got a lot of his inspiration from. Mm. Yeah, so so that's that's kind of a fun little thing about about SpongeBob which a lot of makes made a lot of children interested in the ocean, right. much like finding Nemo,
0: you know. Yeah. It comes from somewhere. Actually, yeah. I have a Finding Nemo one. So sea turtles, you know the, how the sea turtles in Finding Nemo were like, what's up, dude? <laughs> it's so, they were like sort of like stony yeah. sounding. And it's because sea turtles have actually figured out that they can eat jellyfish yeah. and it will get them stoned. Yeah. Like it'll oh actually gosh. get it them, them high. high. Like they, that's they don't eat it for nutritional purposes. Yeah. Like they eat it to get high. They uh-huh. have no
2: nutritional value. Like no. jellies are just it's basically like, water. like one cell thick. Yeah. And they just plop around for maybe two weeks and then their bodies are so not there that they just fall apart in the ocean. That's just what they are. So they don't actively control their movement. That's they just go where the water takes them. Versus things like Nectin, which are organisms that decide where they're going. Mm -hmm. A lot it could be a sea star that crawls, it could be a crab that crawls, or a fish that actively swims and decides. So in this twilight zone, we're mostly talking about fish or whales, things like that, that can decide where they're squid, you know, they're moving from place to place. And there's not a lot of stuff to grab onto because it's the open ocean, but it's not necessarily deep. So there's nothing to hold on to. Yeah. So that's kind of that whole twilight zone-y thing. Okay. And then a little bit deeper today, which is what we're talking about, is again, what actually researchers do call the midnight zone of the ocean. So only about 5% of what's near the surface will actually find its way down So food is very scarce. And other than the occasional large organism, like say a shark or a whale falling down that deep, which is kind of just like an accidental buffet, basically, organisms don't feed very often. They have very slow metabolism or they have different ways of gathering nutrients or just holding on to to nutrients in their body that allow them to survive. They don't breathe very much so they don't exercise a lot of energy so that they're not hungry all the time which is essentially why food is there um there's absolutely no light in that zone it's completely pitch black so and it's and it's absolutely massive which we've already talked about a little bit is that finding each other is very difficult so a lot of the adaptations that these deep sea organisms have have to do with Potentially finding a mate for reproductive purposes. Yeah, right. If you live in such a huge, vast, deep, dark place, and you accidentally run into a species of your own kind, you best be ready. Yeah, because you may not find them again for time to get Hitched. however long your lifespan is. That right? makes us yeah. the saying yeah, there right. are
0: other fish in the sea really depressing. Yeah, like, yeah, right, right, well, right. am or I in the midnight zone? Because yeah. then,
1: then that's there's not shitty. Really really yeah. a- and I then- won't find one for years.
2: What <laughs> <laughs> on. is
0: the loneliest number? <laughs>
2: um, and then really briefly, the the trenches that we know of, you know, we're literally talking the deepest par- portions of the ocean. Scientists have actually called the Hadal zone named after Hades, you know, the Greek oh, cool. god of the underworld, oh, which I think... Oh, that's kind of fun. scientists it's have good. a sense of humor, guys. I, I will not accept otherwise. And then along with no light, pressure is an issue because that's one of the reasons yeah. it's so hard to get down there is because... Imagine you're walking around in the air, no big deal. The deeper you go in the ocean, the more water is on top of you and the yeah. more it presses down. So your organs don't function properly and all that kind of stuff. So organisms that live down very deep cannot survive near the surface because they're adapted to surviving that far down. So you don't usually see like crazy deep sea creatures in an aquarium because they can't survive unless they have very specialized pressurized tanks Mm. it's super cold down there but it's stable so the water temperature doesn't change Mm. um and then at the hydrothermal vents obviously that's really different it's crazy hot because there's all there's like magma basically coming out of the ocean but um there's like sulfur and all these crazy other um gases down there but because the the water won't boil because of all the pressure it's really interesting so there's no steam being created it's weird between pressure and temperature and physics and moving on it's with really
0: that. wild watching did you watch oh what's it called it's sort of like the planet earth but blue planet blue planet, blue planet. yo yeah. the deep sea episode is oh they're insane. crazy they're and, s- s- and it's not just like look at these crazy creatures it's things like seeing the the small animals that do feed on the hydrothermal vents yeah and it's like they have to Zip in, grab something, zip in, grab something. Yeah. And they literally get burned alive. Yeah, right. pretty much. Like if they, like so one quick. slip up and you're burned alive. <laughs> yeah, and it's right, like, exactly.
2: goodness. The I pressure can just go to McDonald's. The Donald's. pressure is <laughs> <on>. <laughs> Literal and figurative. Yeah. The pressure. The pressure. Yes. Very so pressure. true. Um, and then real quickly, when it comes to light, if you are looking in the ocean, uh, it's interesting because if uh, some of these deep sea creatures, when they've been pulled up to the surface, they've discovered that very many of them unless they're essentially transparent um, or black and gray, like just kind of more dull colors, they're actually red because red wavelengths disappear the fastest in the water. So um, again, bear with me a bit on the physics here. Mm-hmm. Um, so what we see is visible light, which is between infrared and ultraviolet. So colors with the longer wavelengths Um, Things like reds, oranges, yellows, they disappear faster in water. And then those with the shorter wavelengths, so greens, blues, purples, can travel further. So it seems kind of counterintuitive, but they have bright colors sometimes because you just cannot see that far down. So uh, if you're kind of in that middle like twilighty zone where there's some light, Mm -hmm. those red creatures don't appear at all. Versus if you're kind of like a greenish blue, you might actually stand out in the water even though – I mean, water is clear, obviously. We know it's not actually blue. But the idea being that if you are that color, you're going to be seen potentially by a predator. Right. Uh. Um, And we talked a little bit about how expensive it can be. So there's still a lot we're still discovering about the geology of the deep sea, the biology of the deep sea. Mm -hmm. And so what I wanted to talk a little bit about today is how light is produced in the ocean. Because we see a lot of these crazy pictures of these really crazy looking... Deep sea creatures that produce light. That literally glow. Mm. That literally glow. And again, a finding Nemo reference, which is super great, it's very accurate, is anglerfish you use bright light to lure (laughs) things. They have that
1: bulb on top of their head, right? I can't
2: believe that's and and that idea that it's a shiny, shimmering thing and let me go near it. And it's it's totally accurate. Again, I mean, just think of a shiny bobble and even a baby or a cat being mesmerized by it in the deep sea when you don't see light and suddenly you're like what is Look that? at that, you know? And I have you to have go have to towards, go towards, towards it. it. And then, oh,
0: because... I mean, yeah. it's the same as, like, bugs being attracted yeah. to light. Yeah, so getting, light like, they a get bug light. And then it gets sizzled. <laughs> yeah. yeah you know, it's it's like, like, but yeah, the idea... is Don't the- go into the light. Yeah. I can't, I help, can't it. help it. It's so beautiful.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so, um... So I'm gonna talk a little bit quickly about how organisms produce light, and yes, then a couple please. of these really unique deep sea habitats, like whale falls. And then because it's you know called keep it weird, and if I don't you know talk about the weird stuff, then what <laughs> am I doing here? Yeah. So I, I titled that segment the Creature Feature, and so Yay. that'll be near the end. And then Can't hopefully, wait like that. Lauren doesn't punch me from the chair. Like, <laughs> don't show me that. You know,
1: just don't show <laughs> me that picture.
2: <laughs> so, um there's no natural sunlight obviously that far down deep in the ocean. So certain organisms are capable of producing their own light. And there's a couple ways that can happen biologically speaking. Uh, The most familiar is bioluminescence. That is basically organic ability to produce light. And usually it's actually a, a chemical reaction happening in the tissue of of certain organisms. Um, some fish actually have bacteria that produce the chemical and they glow and that bacteria will live on the skin of the fish, on the tissue oh, okay. inside the scales. Oh, interesting. So the fish doesn't create its light, but what lives on it does. And so it's an interesting thing. Oh, wow. um, like a mutualistic relationship. So the bacteria have somewhere to grow mm-hmm. and the fish benefit from the light they produce. And oftentimes that's maybe used for communication between, you know, s- similar species and things like that, or for reproductive purposes. So it's a chemical reaction and it's called bioluminescence when it happens in a living organism. And there's a lot of that in the ocean, not necessarily all of it is crazy deep, but much of it is. And these uh, reactions happen it has nothing to do with light shining on them because there is no light down there. So it's mm-hmm. just a chemical reaction It's not happening. like
0: the schools of fish that will use their... Literal, like light shining off their scales to throw off predators. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. yeah. And so that's happening. They actually produce light. Yeah. Which
2: is amazing. And it so is amazing. fluorescence is kind of that idea where you're actually absorbing and reflecting light. So that, of course, can happen as well. And a lot of times that happens and it's reflected as a different color. So it depends on what gets absorbed. So um, kind of think of uh, black lights. Mm -hmm. You know, you're shining a black light onto a certain surface and, like, whites appear kind of that funky green and they're really bright looking Mm -hmm. and all that kind of stuff. And
0: semen appears, like, (sighs) like it's glowing. glowing. Absolutely. And,
2: you know, that's why you don't. Like, whatever you want to talk about. That's why you don't, you know, sit on that bed cover thing and you just throw it in the corner. What was that?
0: Hey, what was that MTV show? Uh, where they got to like break into the guys' rooms oh yeah oh, what God. was that called was they'd that called? like throw
1: the guys in a van and yeah, then the they girl would like, s- go explore or a girl, she'd do and like the, light, the guy or the
0: girl that could like go into the bedroom and like and, see how oh, messy oh, it yeah. was or... and then she'd
1: take the black light to yeah. things and sometimes it was so <laughs> gross <laughs> oh, I want to know what the name of that is uh, we'll have to look it up we're later. gonna so find that out so <laughs> That was hilarious. I loved that show. So,
2: yeah, so some organisms that can fluoresce. um, It's usually, again, communication related or to attract prey, um, provide visual cues, things of that nature. And that's kind of a byproduct of um, just an animal's ability to adapt. It doesn't necessarily... um, like, the bioluminescence is things that have taken millions and millions of years to evolve versus, interestingly, the idea that this fluorescence was like an accidental, oh, hey, this works. And so adaptations just kind of happen versus evolution is like, oh, we are all keep dying, but one of us keeps surviving because this guy goes because in the dark. Happens. So more <laughs> of that guy's genes are going to get passed on over thousands and thousands of years yeah. and they're going to evolve to survive. And then there's phosphorescence, which just real quick, it's the ability of something to emit light for a much longer time after the light is gone. So like glowing hands on watches. That's the idea of phosphorescence. Like it's exposed to sunlight for a very long period Uh, of time. And then in the dark hours later that light shines back.
1: And it's like those phosphorus. stars you put on your ceiling. Yes,
2: absolutely. <laughs> like yeah, they yeah. take in the light all
1: day and then they glow
2: at night. Yeah, so mostly we're talking about bioluminescence when we're talking about marine organisms, whether it's deep sea stuff or not. So some, like I said, some um, fish, it's mostly fish, but some organisms have these little tiny individual cells. They're called photophores. So they're light producing cells and they have spots and dots along their body, and then others will borrow light from, say, bacteria, or there's a bunch of these photophores concentrated in one area like the lure on an anglerfish. So they're tiny little cells and they just all clump together for a specific purpose. Um so not a whole lot is known about how the organisms produce this ability. And again, that's partly because it's so hard to study them. Yeah. Um, and then if you turn on a bright light, they don't look like they did in the deep ocean. So if you want to, sh- even in the deep ocean, if you shine a light on an animal with like a submersible, it doesn't look like that anymore because yeah, right. it only looks like that in the dark. So how do you study something in the dark when we depend on our eyesight to see? Yeah, <laughs> yeah to be and able
0: to see And how are you going to figure
2: out and study the organism or it stops producing that ability once it's dead? Yeah. So there's some challenges, of course, involved in that. A lot of the organisms themselves are light sensitive. So because the light they emit is not sunlight or light that we use in a lamp. So if you shine that on them, a lot of them just freak out. They can't mm-hmm. survive that either. Um, so it's just really interesting that they. there's some studies being done. Fireflies are a nice example of bioluminescence on land. And it's a similar process. And you can study fireflies and then potentially use that information to make pretty educated guesses about what's going on in in the ocean mm. um, but a really interesting phenomenon that you can see here um i mean anywhere with a coastline almost is um there is a species of of microalgae well there's more than one species but there's a very common one here in southern california it's called noctiluca and they produce their own light they bioluminesce and there are these tiny little single little creatures. And when they're agitated, they shine a light. Basically, they emit a light because they're stressed out. That's just what's happening. And it's not necessary that you're going in there and shaking it up. When the water moves in the waves, that's right. enough to cause. That's them enough of a stress. stress. <laughs> yeah. If you're yay big, then a wave is. Oh. Yeah, if you're so- <laughs> yay big,
0: or your name is Ashley Cassidy, <laughs> yeah. the smallest wave, you'll can be stressed. Stress. <laughs> yes.
2: So they have that ability. It's really amazing. You you can walk along the beach and you can create these brilliant trails of light as you walk because it's like behind you. It's like trailing behind you if you're just walking right along in the sand. And historically, these blooms, these algae blooms were called sparkle of the sea or burning of the sea, of Ooh. course, when, you know, we didn't know any better. So it's a common species of dinoflagellate, which, okay. So, huh, sorry, more science. So phytoplankton <laughs> is the plant plankton, if you will. And Zooplankton is the animal plankton, and dinoflagellates are somewhere in the middle because they're neither here nor there. They produce, um, they much like plants on land and other algae, they are capable of photosynthesis, and they use all those nutrients and sunlight and water to create oxygen, but they can also kind of move on their own. Again, if you're talking about... They're like
0: Venus flytraps. Yeah. If
2: you're talking about like moving in waves, yeah, they go where the water takes them. But locally, they can control-ish where they go Mm -hmm. because they have these funky little appendages called flagella. And if you think about... Um, moving a yo-yo up and down It's like that It's like a ripcord It just spins them around In the middle of their body And then they just kind of Twirl around <laughs> in the water Which is Fun Real, real funky And Fine. then they have an, Another little flagella Which is kind of like How they how they grab nutrients And or food Out of the water So It's not super passive But it's not technically An animal And that's why We don't just Talk about the You know The kingdoms And blah 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 It's it's mm-hmm. very different now Especially as we've discovered More about the ocean that not everything can just be easily divided into these are bacteria these are plants these are animals and there's that's it it's all we have turns out there's all kinds of fun stuff in between yeah, so it's really cool. They're they're super tiny. They look like little discs.
1: See, this isn't so, too bad yet. Yeah, you're so warming I'm me. I'm using you guys in. I'm leaving <laughs> really it me. in. I'm, and
2: then okay. this is what it looks like. Oh, Looked that's like. cool. Yeah, that so looks beautiful. It's really pretty. It's really, really beautiful and gorgeous. So we go from can these, you see in my glasses? Yes, I can. From these beautiful little <laughs> scenes of the ocean, and then that's we get lonely. into the scary. Sh- no, not yet. <laughs> um, but yes. Anyway, so, you can deal
1: with the pretty uh, glowing yeah. disc.
2: <laughs> I can handle that. <gasps> And then this, for example, is a shrimp that would flashlight to scare away a predator. Okay. So some organisms do it for that reason. Yeah. Obviously, if something approaches and you're tiny, but you can turn on a light really quick, and the animal's like, no, no, God, what? no thank what? you, what? I don't want to They'll yeah, swim away that. and look for something else. So yeah. camouflage is obviously a very common way to protect yourself in the ocean. Mm-hmm. So if you can't cover up your body in some way. Light is really helpful or, for example, the reason a lot of fish have dots and bars and bands on their body or different colors is because it breaks up the overall body of the animal. It's harder to see it because, you know, I mean, if you're in the shallows, you can kind of see in the water. Fish Mm -hmm. can see other fish, but if the body outline is broken up and the colors are all weird – it's like, is that a fish? Is that a rock? And then that's right. why all their other senses are so much more powerful than their eyesight, because really it's not. So this is an interesting little fishy, and it's not too bad, but it's called a blue lantern fish. And it's actually found in the Eastern Pacific, so closer to where we are. And the reason this fish is cool is because it's small, but its photophores are huge, like these big dots that you see along the – and it's mostly on the belly of the body. Those
1: dots are actually on its body? Yeah. That wasn't, it looks like it was drawn on. It looks on. like they're it was insane. drawn on, and
2: there's these huge little dots. And they're located on the bottom side of the fish, and it helps to break up the outline of the fish. But um, researchers think it's basically for communication, so you find another one of your own. So these patterns sort of are unique to each individual, but there are common patterns among the same species. So if they find each other in the water, they know. They know that that's the same species. Okay. And and most most fish do something called broadcast spawning. So they're not, there's not internal fertilization. The female releases her eggs and the male releases the sperm and they just kind of mix they in they the mix water. Yeah. That's one of the reasons some fish... Fish will school is so that reproduction is easier and you're mixing a lot of genetic material in the water and then making more of yourself. Hmm. Um, So one of the reasons they have this stuff is so that they can essentially communicate with one another when there's no other way, when it's so pitch black that without any kind of light, it wouldn't be possible. Okay hate this
1: guy <laughs> I mean I've seen him before <laughs> okay, so, so <laughs> there's no shock and awe but I hate him every time I see him and I don't believe that he's res- who is he it's an angler oh like, yes I'm so sorry teeth, and you have a light bulb sticking out of your head like what <laughs> who made you <laughs> I don't... He this is accept.
2: why there is no God. You know, there he wouldn't no make these. He wouldn't um, put that near me. So anglerfish is a... They're a large group of different fish, of different species that have this similar style. They have these big, weird-looking bodies with this lure over their
0: head. And, and there's ugly, all kinds of, toothy smiles. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so
2: at the Ooh. aquarium I worked at, we had a preserved specimen of one called a football fish. And obviously, it's just in like a big, you know, preserved tank um but it was super ago it had like these beady little eyes cuz it doesn't see anything it's right, essentially yeah. blind but you could kind of see not only did it have the light on the end but it would have these like things that hung down from it like lures on a fishing line so yeah. that again it's like oh, shiny wavy things and then an animal comes close and then this big open mouth just happens Ugh. yeah um so
1: it's when it comes
2: there. when it comes to deep sea sexy time oh okay <laughs> How most, does the anglerfish again, get any? Yeah? So again, most H organisms and- do the broadcast spawning. Sea stars do it, you know, sponges do it, blah, 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 blah. Um, and so the the magic just kind of happens in the water. Not all fish, some have internal fertilization, da, 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 da. but um, for many of the organisms in the deep sea, the same concept exists, except again, it's a huge amount of space. What do you do if you find Another of your species. Yeah. And what if you're not mature yet? What if you're not ready to give up the goods because you don't have any? So in the case of anglerfish, all right, the big ugly thing you're seeing, those are all females.
0: They're all ladies. No, The males are probably
2: about three to four inches. That's as big as they grow. And they found this really interesting way to survive. So, do they, they- look the same, just smaller? Eh, not exactly. Do you see that thing underneath at the bottom? Yes. That's a male. What? <laughs> I thought that was so part of her. I apologize <laughs> listeners, this is a bit of a visual thing, but I'm going we'll to have to show these some photos. photos we'll this, is, them. this is this he's is called so a little. a female black sea devil and she's got a male attached to her so is he doing, like things? Well, <laughs> is he's, doing things. Well, he might do things, but if he's not ready to do things, <laughs> he doesn't want to lose the the female. Oh, so shirt. he just hangs So around. He will basically chomp into her body. <gasps> bury himself like gills deep and just spend the rest of his life attached onto her. And now he's just a useless man on the couch. The rest of his life doesn't feed, doesn't breathe all of the nutrients take, it takes it in from the female. Um, And one single female anglerfish can have two to three to four males attached because she's big and blobby and these males are tiny and weak and pathetic. So, guys, so, yeah. the greatest feminist of all time, apparently, is the anglerfish. But, I know. I
1: appreciate her a bit more now. But it's insane <laughs> that
2: that's how they've figured out how to survive and make right. more of themselves is, okay, you're going to stay tiny and just cling to me for the rest of your life. And when I'm ready and you're ready, we'll just release more our organisms. organisms into the water. She looks pissed that well, he's I mean, on there. Wouldn't well,
1: wouldn't she be? Yeah. That's, maybe that's why they're so angry.
0: <laughs> maybe that's why they look the way they do. No, that's what I'm saying. Because they've just like starting to support to, men their I'm whole starting why? To appreciate her,
1: she has this asshole mooching onto her belly, and she's like, "Why?" That's what it looks like she's saying.
0: Another great feminist of the ocean is clownfish. Oh, clownfish? Yes, right. yeah. clownfish. The men take care yeah. of the eggs once yeah. they're laid but they also do all of the housework right mm-hmm. so like, and they're their, like pretty anemones they Garibaldi have to the anemone that's have why to, like- marlin was so
1: hands <laughs> on yeah. wasn't that yes.
0: yes super
2: hands on, on dad yeah
0: absolutely yeah he literally they literally they have to clean everything
2: they have to well and- they have to make the nest look pretty for the female to choose Very to true. lay her eggs there because right. again the animal kingdom every other species but humans have it right like The birds, all the pretty flashy ones, all males. Yeah. Yeah. The women are like, I'm going to sit here. You look hot for me. You put on your show. (laughs) Lions have those fancy manes. And then the women just sit there. And then here we are like, I got to shower. I got to shave. I got to put on makeup.
0: Where did we go wrong? What like happened? Why are we
1: the show? Yeah. Like why why can't we be like the anglerfish? Yeah. Here's the, the thing,
0: and though. <laughs> we haven't been around nearly as nearly long as, as any long. of these creatures. Hey, you're right, you're right, you're right. We haven't learned yet. We haven't we're, learned we're yet. We're going to get there. We're getting we'll get
1: there. there, guys. We're um, going to let all of our hair grow. <laughs> Real quick. So we talked a little
2: bit about excuse me, um, hydrothermal events and the concepts behind them. So there's not much more to say about that, but I do want to touch a little bit about where you find them. And essentially you're finding them um, at um, tectonic plates. So where the plates meet each other, much like how earthquakes on land happen. That's where you're talking about where you find things like, the the trenches, because that's one plate going beneath another. And the same idea is if the two plates converge and touch each other, that's where you get deep sea volcanoes, right. potentially, right. potentially volcanoes. islands, which is how Hawaii was created, and things like hydrothermal vents. So they come out of the ground and all these crazy gases and metals are coming out and they're reacting to ocean water, which is very rich in its own minerals. And there's that thing called the um the ring of the Great Pacific Ring of Fire. So between talking all the way from Australia up to Japan and Russia and then over to Alaska and down all the way to South America. Tons and tons of geologic activity under the ocean because that's where so many um, plates converge and touch each other or come apart from each other. And that's where you get all this crazy deep sea geological activity, which then would lead to biological activity Mm because animals have found a way to survive absolutely everywhere. Yes. one. Some being those crazy hot spots, which you would never think something would be able to survive, but yeah.
0: they are literally it's, teeming. It's, with it's life. kind of
2: fascinating. It's it's you know finding the right resources is is good. So there's lots of cool imagery and videos now of these crazy deep sea discoveries, and when some of these uh, institutes will go out on their submersibles, now they also have the technology to allow. Not in real time necessarily, but they can send back video and they can update video logs all the time of what they're yeah. finding while people are still down there, which is really amazing. Like yeah. 20 years ago, oh, you cool. you couldn't do that, no. which is so cool to see that technology obviously goes hand in hand with making these discoveries. And it's yeah. just super cool. Um,
0: well, that's also really... Another reason that's important to study the deep sea is to better understand things like Mars, Saturn, Jupiter, because those planets you're sitting there going, well, there's no way that anything exists on them because of, you know, their landscape or the temperature or, um, you know, what the atmosphere is made out of. And it's mm-hmm. like, well, if you go to the deep sea, all bets are off. Yeah. Because they literally exist. I'm to- I, Like I said earlier, they exist three miles deep into yes. the mud it's yeah. deeper
2: than everest is S- tall so right? exactly some of those oh trenches like the you mariana can, so trench, trench yeah you can flip everest nice. over and still have room and have some and space so, that's so, so, come i think come it on.
0: was i think it was <laughs> if you put mount everest in the mariana trench and stood at the peak <laughs> you'd still have to swim 15 miles to that the surface is dip, it, it,
2: it, crazy. Is that might be very, that might be wrong. I think I might have that somewhere in my notes as well. And if I come miles. across it. But it is something That's just so it's wild. Absolutely deep. wild. And that again isn't necessarily what we're talking about so much today. That's even so much deeper than the organisms that are like funky looking and scary yeah. looking. Um, who knows what's who down knows there. what's down know there. It. I don't want to.
1: Incredible. Know. It's just crazy. I just I'm fascinated.
2: I mean um. it's very cool. <laughs> we're getting the
1: technology to go down there, but like I don't think I want to see you
2: survive <laughs> that there. Like, that's You're like too just don't deep. show me. That's too deep. I'm sure it's cool. I don't want to know about it. Ooh. <laughs> yeah.
1: Just don't show me any photos. Um
2: and then the last little bit of in terms of weird environments, if you will, in the deep sea are whale falls. So whales are these absolutely massive creatures, mm-hmm. the biggest organisms ever to have lived on um, in in the world, and they can't survive on land because they're just too heavy, you know. But um, when a whale dies, if it doesn't get completely decomposed and eaten up while it's sinking, it could fall into the deep dark ocean and just land on the bottom. And it's really interesting that the different stages in The decomposition of this whale's body, of the carcass, will support different organisms. And so scavengers will come and eat the soft tissue, so, you know, the muscle and stuff like that, in a matter of months, and then other bits and pieces could take years to feed. And then, you know, quite literally, you know, sucking the marrow out of the bone of this enormous animal could support the life of so much that's deep down in there. And so for decades to come, the hard surface will act as a place for things to grow. Yeah. And then as it leaches out the minerals from that huge, huge body, organisms or bacteria that feed on the dead stuff on the decay will also start to grow as well. So you can have like a microhabitat island in the deep dark ocean because a whale's body fell and different aspects of the whale support so much life, so much different life that far down into the ocean. Mm. So it's like a brand new food web and it's a brand new source of energy for single-celled animals, multi animals. It's just kind of amazing. And then it's almost like a deep sea coral reef will start to form.
1: Yeah. Which
2: is something that does happen. We most often think of corals in like shallow, really like brightly lit waters. And yes, that's absolutely true. And, we're destroying those, too, because oh, yes. humans are trash. Yeah, Back to the original theme of this, of this topic here. But um, you can have deep-sea corals. They're not necessarily dependent on sunlight. And instead they're not of, super
0: pretty. They're not necessarily pretty. <laughs> but <laughs>
2: instead of having algae live in them that provide them nutrients because there's no sun, you'll have bacteria living in the corals. And that gives them enough food to survive. And the bacteria have a safe place, quote-unquote, to live. They just live in the tissue of these deep-sea corals. And there's some really cool photography or photographs, I should say, from it was a 2002 um, exploration of a whale fall off the coast of Monterey Bay. So the Monterey Bay Aquarium is not only just an awesome institution, it has a really amazing uh, it's called the Monterey Bay Aquarium Research Institute, MBARI. And they go out on expeditions all the time and they will send videos and uh, photographs back so you can kind of see there's. You see the overall body, like the bones of the whale and you see all kinds of stuff just growing out of it. It's it's kind of amazing. It is, Um, Yeah. Oh, there it is. So the trenches, I did find it. Um, So as deep as 36,000 feet, whereas Mount Everest is 29,000 feet high. So it's another 7,000 feet deeper. (sighs) It's really. (laughs) <laughs> it is really dangerous. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> so, okay. so
1: deep.
0: Okay. Yeah. So- so it's more like one it's, mile. Yeah. So if you're it's, standing on the tip of Everest, you yeah. still have to swim a, a mile, mile to which the is surface. Cuckoo which bananas. is still. Which is insane. Yeah. I mean,
1: with 15 deep. miles, you blew my mind. But a mile is nothing well, to like, stop at. Walk- <laughs> walking a mile
2: is like, and then swimming right. a mile is, oh God. And then swimming up or down a mile is just. Imposs- humanly yeah. impossible. Yeah, yeah it we it can't do humanly that. Impossible. Yeah, you would. So yeah, this, your is, brain would this explode. was just kind of. Sort of a primer, if you will, of the physics involved in being able to survive in the deep sea with like pressure and light and the lack of food, the potential lack of oxygen. Although again, there's a lot of oxygen in dark, in deep water because the colder it is, the more oxygen it holds. Yeah. The warmer water gets, gets the less oxygen it can hold, which is one of the many ways that climate change is terrible is because it's warming the ocean and guys, we don't have time for all that. But, um, that was kind of, All of that aspect and how organisms have adapted and evolved to surviving in those crazy depths. Man
0: fascinating. I love the deep sea. Also, the episode of Blue Planet Season 2, The Deep, you actually get to see a whale drop. Oh, see, yeah, that's amazing. And they filmed it over a matter of like two years. It was several Mm -hmm. years ago, but the Mm -hmm. Long
2: Beach Aquarium, the Aquarium of the Pacific, actually had a whale fall exhibit. Like, it wasn't a real whale, but they had recreated that ecosystem. So super cool. It was like a, they had, you know, they had created a plaster cast of a whale, and they had put Onto the bones, different edible aspects, things that would occur at different stages of decomposition to see mm. what kinds of organisms would grow and survive in a whale yeah. fall. It's really interesting. interesting to yeah, see it's bit. really
0: cool because you see the whale fall and the first creature usually that makes it to one even in the deep sea are sharks because yeah. their sense of smell is... Uh, soup's absurd yeah. Yeah. and so they're and they're fast and they right. can make it there and sometimes sharks eat once a year so they're there and they pig out and mm-hmm. then it's like when they leave it's like this guy comes in right. the eels come in yeah. and then when they leave the manta rays right. it's just so cool how like they will literally you can almost see the animals like waiting on the outskirts cuz yeah. they're like When's it i'm my, my turn, the prey my turn. Of that guy. so i'm so going to hang gonna wait. out over here <laughs> I'm going to wait for him to go, out and when they go i'm going to be at the salad bar done. just waiting <laughs> yeah. for the good stuff i'll, I'll be at the bar turn. you tell me when my table's ready right are we moving on to Seamon Monsters? I think so. I so, think so. Yeah, because I, I was going to say, like, the argument against sea monsters is that we would have found them by now. Right. Which right. 100%. No, we would no. not have. Um, <laughs> like shut your damn mouth. Ocean's big, guys. We We've seen seen literally just things. talked about how we haven't explored enough right. of the ocean, how it's impossible to get down there. Um, but also something that you were talking about, like the types of creatures that can exist in that deep, deep sea. Creatures... In theory, get smaller and small smaller the further down you go, and supposedly in the deepest parts of the ocean, especially places where the light can't reach, there's no way that there are fully foreign grooms of life, which is wrong again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, there are more species in the deep ocean than anywhere else on the planet. There are fully grown fish that we know of. Mm-hmm. There are two types of crustaceans: um, the malac. Costraca,
2: Malacostraca, yes,
0: Malacostraca. Thank you. Which are like crayfish, crabs, lobsters, and shrimp, mm-hmm. and the Amphipoda. Yes, Amphipoda. Amphipoda. Mm-hmm. Okay, thank you. And there are seven thousand plus species in this group of crustaceans, and they are basically the ones without shells or mm-hmm. protective casings. Right. Okay. So honestly, they kind of look like what mites look like. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Exactly. Under a microscope, yeah, yeah. they're really ugly and awful. they're horrifying um most adults what do you call them amphipods 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 are just like okay Uh most of them wouldn't even measure to be an inch in length they're basically like sea bugs they're like little sea buggies yeah but that was until we started exploring the deep sea floor and we found some that are 14 inches long Stupid! They are super <laughs> giants, and they get no, bigger you. and bigger the deeper we explore. <laughs> yeah. So, see,
1: so there are giant, basically. horrible things in the deep sea. There oh, yeah. could be enormous, and they're just waiting for their down moment down yes. to <laughs> shoot up, eat you me first. specifically. Yeah. They're gonna eat me first, and then they'll get to everybody. I'm gonna, else. S-
0: <laughs> I'm gonna put a ton of little like message in a bottles in the ocean with oh, just God. your address oh, no, on you're it. You're the too. rudest,
2: <laughs> and then put little weights on them so you make sure they sink. Yes. Oh, Jesus. Go down very oh far Oh my goodness. So, yeah. anyways,
0: there could be enormous, uh, gigantic, huge things. Down
1: there. We huge know. horrifying things. Well,
2: I think I remember um, you guys talked on one of the nature episodes about like crazy parasites and all the weird oh shit mm-hmm. they do. And that's really, that stuff like freaks me out. But I remember in one of my many marine invertebrate classes. Ugh, it's like you look <laughs> under a microscope and they'd be like, "What's this?" I was like, "Guys, I don't fucking know." This tiny thing looks the same as this tiny thing, yeah. and you have to identify which mouth part of the eyes. Like, oh god! But um, <laughs> we would talk a little bit about marine parasites because many of them are crustaceans. Um, you know, they don't necessarily survive on their own, but they have some kind of protective covering. And I know you guys talked a little bit about uh, it was at least one marine isopod which is capable of. Getting into like the the fish's eye, the fish's eye. Oh yeah, but one one of them, and I didn't bring it because I just—it was—it's not deep sea, but it's just. uh, Um, it would actually go into a certain species of fish's mouth and eat the tongue, and then just sit there. And then instead of the fish eating the more food. food, you would open the mouth of the fish, and there's a freaking deep sea bug staring at you with its <laughs> eyes and super creepy, wonder- and it's just eating the food until the poor fish dies, and then this fucker just goes off to another it's like, fish. Bye. Onto the next. Onto the next. Thank you. Next. It was that blew Thank my brains next. because, and then for a while I remember like. I would, I would be, you know, opening the mouth of a fish. I was like, please don't have a bug in
1: there. Please don't. Please, yeah, please, please have, have your please, tongue.
2: Because it was just like, Ugh. I was like, what like what you open am the I mouth about and another see? set of eyes is staring at you. <laughs> oh, <no>. like... <laughs> I remember that's for a so while, bad. and then after a while, I think I just forgot about it. I tucked it away. But whenever I think about, I was like, I still
1: don't want it. Chills
2: running. down like, your spine. That, that's, that's awful. That's where we get into like alien level shit. Yeah, Seriously. I was going to say that yeah. sounds like something. That sounds
0: like what? Like what if that's what happened to? the yeah. xenomorph yeah exactly it's like that exactly. thing that comes With out of his them, mouth uh-huh. like the xenomorph is it just so just angry like that, that because he's here. hungry yeah
1: and his tongue eats weeks. all of his like, food my tongue <laughs> takes my food <laughs> so i'm gonna yeah. murder you well we
2: talked about that a lot at the aquarium when we would discuss a deep sea it's like you know all that crazy shit you guys saw in the movies this is where it came from this yeah. is where that inspiration comes from it's like it does look that freaking Weird and crazy. It does look like a horror movie monster. It does look like a horror movie monster. And so a lot of that inspiration comes from the deep sea. So it's, you know, that aspect of, well, you get the creative arts from it too. (laughs) Because the abyss came from somewhere, guys.
1: And that's that's a rad movie. So this was actually a good topic for me to cover because I can pretend that they are definitely a myth. Uh-huh. And some of the ones I'm going to talk to today are very much legend, but I just thought they were interesting. Uh, so. That you know of. <laughs> no, no. I have to pray Allegedly. are just Allegedly. myths and Says legends.
0: <laughs> That's all the time we have this week for Keep It Weird. Thank you so much for listening. And obviously, thank you, Mel, for joining us on the show again. She is so full of knowledge, I can't even. If you ever have questions about the ocean, just shout out to Mel on Instagram at mermaidmellow. Join us next week for an extended episode of the show where we dive into sea monsters, real and mythological. And we get into some other real weird shit in the deep waters of the ocean. And while you're on Instagram following Mel, you can follow us at Keep It WeirdCast. We're on Facebook and Twitter as well. At Keep It WeirdCast is our handle across all platforms. We also have a YouTube page, which we're really going to be working on a lot this year. So just search Keep It Weird Podcast on YouTube for some bonus weird content, including our news segment, This week in weird, weird, weird. Check out our Patreon page if you want to donate to the show and get cool shit like discounts on merch, bonus episodes, and monthly newsletters. If you want t-shirts, tank tops, hoodies, buttons, tote bags, or magnets, check out our Etsy page at www.etsy.com slash shop slash keepitweirdpodcast. As for the sign-off this week, I'm simply going to ask you to check out oceanconservancy.org and consider donating to their cause. They're a global movement to protect our oceans from pollution, overfishing, and ocean acidification. You can donate to Ocean Conservancy by heading to their website and setting up either a one-time donation or a monthly donation. It's super easy and hopefully our science-packed episode that you just listened to helps you realize that the ocean is is just as important for us land dwellers as it is for those of us who hang out under the sea. Enjoy my birthday, and keep it weird.
2: That looked good. That was excellent.
0: Um, that came through. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs>